Psalm 133 How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Thanks, everybody, for uh, joining in with that craft and helping others if you did that. We're going to spend a few minutes thinking about this short psalm, one of the, the short ones in the Bible. Uh, we're actually going to try to memorize it in a little while with the help of a song, so uh, you might start practicing that now as we, we think about it. Isn't it often the case that um, those things that are good for you are not very pleasant, and those things that are pleasant are often not very good for you, right? Uh, so one of the delicacies in Scotland is a deep-fried Mars bar. I wonder if anybody has ever had one of those? Deep-fried Mars bar? Uh, we've had at least one person. I've had one. Um, and uh, they're delicious, but they will kill you. They will kill you very quickly. Um, how about bitter melon? Bitter melon is good for your blood sugar. It's good for your digestion. It helps fight some cancers. But the clue is in the title. It's really bitter. It doesn't taste very good. I wonder if you've had any of that. I, I came across a uh, cough syrup from Canada called Buckley's Cough Syrup. Have you heard of it? Are you the heirs to the, the Buckley Cough Syrup fortune? Buckley's Cough Syrup, its tagline is, uh, it's, um, <laughs> what is the tagline? I had it on a picture. It's, it's uh, good for your cough, but terrible for your taste buds, something to that effect. Or how about procrastination? I mean, it feels really good to sit at your desk and just kind of daydream and just kind of play with whatever toys you have around on your desk. And then the deadline comes, your homework is due, or the project is due, and it's panic. So it was pleasant to just procrastinate, but it was really not good. But I wonder how you think about church. What are, how do you feel about church? Is church good for you? Is it pleasant? Is it the sort of thing that you think, well, yeah, it's good for me, but it's a bit like medicine. I take it, but I don't really in, uh, enjoy it that much. Or it, I guess you might meet some people who have um, had bad experiences at church, and they would actually tell you it's a bad thing. It, does, uh, it, it turns people bad. Some people would think that, but I guess if we're here this morning, we, we tend to think that church is a good thing. Yes, church is a good thing. It's the place where we learn about God. It's the place where we learn how it's best to live. Uh, it's good for you, but how do you feel about it when you wake up on a Sunday morning and you realize you have to make the journey across? There, is it something that you go, yes, or is it something that you think, well, okay, I'll take it. Well, Psalm 133 tells us that God designed the church to be both good and pleasant. Good and pleasant. 
Christian unity is good and pleasing. The word good, tov, if you are familiar with uh, some Bible words, tov is the word. It means morally right, holistically healthy. It, another way of saying it is, it means it's as it should be. Everything is as it should be. And so remember, when God created the world, every time he created something, what did he say at the end of it? Does anybody know? What did God say when he created things on each day? What did he say it was? It was good. Yeah, it was good. And then on the last day when he made people, what did he say about that? Very good. And that is Tove. Everything is just as he wanted it to be. Tove. Good. And so that's what good means in this psalm. Um, the word pleasant can mean lovely or delightful. Another way of saying it is it's exactly the way we want it to be. So if you like the taste of a deep-fried Mars bar, it's pleasant to you, that's the way you want it to taste, then that is, uh, that is pleasant. It's when your room at night, I don't know if you struggle with this in the summertime, it, your aircon struggles against the heat and humidity of Hong Kong, and you struggle to get it exactly the right temperature. Sometimes it's so cold that your limbs freeze off if they're out of the covers, or so hot that you're sweating in bed. But when it's just right, it's pleasant. And this psalm is telling us that God made the church to be both good and pleasant. Good and pleasant. But what makes it good and pleasant? I wonder if we could have the, the reading back up, verse 1. What makes the church good and pleasant? When is the church good and pleasant? Verse 1. When? When God's people live together in unity. What does unity mean? Well, it's important to know that unity doesn't mean being the same. It's not about sameness. So when the, the first travelers who sang this song were, were singing it together, they had come from all over the, the ancient Near Eastern area. They had come together at the temple to sing together. They're from lots of different backgrounds. Uh, lots of different jobs. Some of them were honorable and esteemed, and some of them were very low and very poor. And they would have been uh, from all sorts of different places, but they were united in worshiping the Lord. And in the same way, God designed his church to be full of people from different backgrounds, different uh, parts of the world, different ages, different stages, different experiences. Whoever you are, you are called to be part of the church, to be united into the church. So who here is artistic? Do we have any artists in the room? Oh, don't be so humble. Don't be so, don't demur from the question. Yes, 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 okay, yes, we have some artists. You're part of the church. Uh, do we have any sporty people in the room? People who are sporty and who like to get out and do exercise, to run about. Some people do it, but they don't like it. But yeah, we have lots of sporty people around. We live in a sporty place, and you're part of the church. And do we have any people that just like learning? You, you like to learn whatever it is, whatever. You like to know things. Okay, you're part of the church. You see, we all have different interests. We all are, are from different places, but 
We're united in the church, and that's how God designed it. One big family, as our song said. He's made us sons and daughters and called us together into one big family. So, but if we're, how, if, if we're so different, how can we be united? Because I like to hang out with people that are a bit like me, uh, around my age, like to do the things that I like to do, etc., etc. That's normal, right? We like people that are like us, but how are we going to be united to people that are so different from us? Well, we're going to see that it's a gift from God. But, so unity is not sameness, it's harmony. So like in the band, we have all these different instruments, and when they're played together on the same song, they, they come together to form a wonderful sound. Uh, they work harmoniously together. When God's people are called together in unity, they don't become the same. They, they play together, they, they live together, they work together on the same uh, song, as it were, the gospel. They worship the same God in Jesus. So it's harmony. And when the different people that make up the church are believing the same gospel, when they're praising the same Jesus, the result is not only good, as in morally right and as it should be, but it's really pleasant as well. We share life's ups and downs together. We're present with each other in the important times of life. We pray for each other when things are difficult. We ask for advice from one another. We watch one another grow up and grow old. We show hospitality to each other through uh, uh, meals around our tables. We show patience and kindness and forgiveness to one another. It's the way we're meant to live. It's the way we want to live. Being united in the church is good and pleasant. But just like instruments that go out of tune, they disrupt the harmony of the band, or maybe if, if we aren't... Uh, Familiar with the song, it can be difficult. I gave the band lots of new songs this week. That's tough. And sometimes people in the church go out of tune from one another because of sin. The people of God become disunited due to sin. So all of us have been members of a church for any amount of time. We'll know what it is, how bad and unpleasant it is when God's people live together in disunity, right? You surely have experienced that if you've been part of a church for very long. Some sins obviously bring disunity. You have your gossip, you have your anger, you have your lies, your bullying, your adultery, and all these other things like them, and people who practice those sins in the, the Christian community bring division. But it's not just the obvious sins. Every single sin that we do, it disunites us from other people. It pulls us apart from other people, because when we do things that God tells us not to do, we feel shame about it, and so we have to hide something about ourselves from other people. We become suspicious of other people. Well, if I'm doing naughty things, they're surely doing them as well, and so I'll keep my distance. We become disheartened when we think, I can't believe that person would do that. I don't want anything to do with them. We become proud and reject one another, as we think, I would never do that. Sin is the biggest threat to our unity. But earlier in this service, at the beginning, we prayed together a prayer of confession. We all said, I'm a sinner. Are you? Are you? Are you? So if we're all sinners, and 
that brings disunity. How are we ever going to be united? Well, that's the great thing that's illustrated in the rest of this psalm. God shows us in this psalm that Christian unity is a blessing poured out by God. It has to be given by God. We can't achieve it. So that's what the psalmist wants us to understand. He gives us two pictures, anointing oil and Mountain Dew. Not the drink, but the dew on the mountain. Ha ha. Uh, we'll, we'll look at them in reverse order. First, it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. In an area where almost no rain falls in the April, from April to October, dew is really important to life, to sustaining life. Mount Hermon is about 125 miles north of Jerusalem, and it's a snow-capped peak. So it gets lots of precipitation on it. The dew forms on it. It's famous for its dew. It actually sustains a forest. Uh, streams and rivers flow down from it in a very dry area. And so the dew of Hermon is a, a lot of water. And the psalmist is saying, um, when God's people are united, it's as if that dew of that very tall mountain were somehow transported 125 miles and dropped on the arid, desert-like Jerusalem. And that would bring such flourishing, such life and refreshment and relief from the, the dryness there. Well, that would be miraculous, wouldn't it? And actually, for God's people to be united, it takes a miraculous work of God. No less miraculous than the dew of Hermon falling on Jerusalem. The other image we're given in verse 2. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. I don't know if you have ever enjoyed something so much that you thought it was like oil poured on your head and like an oily beard. Does that thought ever come to your mind? No. It's not something... Wait, has that thought come to your mind, like an oily beard? No? Okay. Uh, but I guess oil in, in ancient times, it was used for all the sorts of things that you would find in mom's uh, medicine cabinet. So conditioner, moisturizer, uh, balms, face cleansing, uh, all these sorts of things. Olive oil would be used for all of those sorts of things. And precious oil... Precious oil, which I have some that I've been given, um, it, it smells very strongly. I wonder if you give that a smell. What's that smell like? Does it smell good? Do you like the smell of that? Anyone else? Smell flowery? Yeah? So precious oil had lots of spices and lots of fragrances mixed in, and it costs a lot of money to do that. And this is precious oil poured on Aaron's head, running down, moisturizing skin, conditioning hair, cleansing dirt, soothing an itchy beard. But that's not what this is uh, really about. It's not about how good it feels for Aaron. It's actually a sign of God's blessing being poured on the high priest of Israel. So Aaron is the first high priest, and then his sons after him 
were the high priests who served in the temple and made sacrifices to take away the sins of the people. And so, I wonder if I could have a volunteer. If not, I will be your high priest this morning. Does anybody want to be the high priest? I, I promise I won't pour oil on your head. Uh, I'm, I have water I can pour. No? Okay. I will be the high priest. There's still time. So the, the high priest goes in when he's selected. And there's one more thing that we didn't talk about. But the high priest's robe, the high priest's robe, had symbols of the 12 tribes of Israel on his robe. And so, we have this t-shirt that we've all put our names on. I wonder if this is going to work. Seems silly now that I'm doing it. So, when the oil is poured down, right, it goes down the head, down the ears, onto the robe, right? So, God's blessing is being poured out so abundantly that it's not just a little bit on Aaron's head, but it's running down to the whole people of God. And that is what it's like when, when unity that God gives is poured out on his people. All the people, from the greatest to the least in the congregation, enjoy something of God's blessing. And who does the blessing come through? It comes through the one who goes in to make the sacrifice for sin, who goes before God to make the blood sacrifice in the temple, and threw him down unto the rest of Israel. All that sin that disunites people is atoned for, it's paid for, it's taken away. And the people can dwell together in harmony. And of course, that same blessing is available for us through Jesus. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus is the great high priest. He's the, the, the Messiah. And do you know what Messiah means? Sorry? No? Good guess, though. What does Messiah mean? Anyone? Anointed one. Jesus is the anointed one. One, more than any high priest was ever anointed with the oil of God's blessing, Jesus had God's blessing poured out on him. He's the only one who deserved it. And Jesus was the anointed one, and as the oil of God's blessing was poured on Jesus, it ran down from the him who is the head onto his body, the church. Isaiah 49.16 says that God doesn't just have our names written on his robes. He has his name engraved on his hands. Your name, 
is engraved on his hands. And as we see Jesus with the, the holes in his hands from being crucified, that's your name and mine. And God's blessing comes down to us through him, our great high priest, so that everywhere the gospel is proclaimed, there will be good and pleasant unity eventually winning out. Sin will threaten to disrupt the people of God. It is threatened to disrupt us. It will again in the future at some point. But through the atoning work of Jesus Christ, the blood sacrifice of the high priest, we will receive the dew. The dew that, that falls on the highest mountain that refreshes the dryness of our disunity will be replaced with the, the moisture, the pleasantness of God's blessing. The oil that, that drips down on the high priest's head, down his beard, onto the people of God. God's blessing of unity prevails among his people in the end. So everyone who joins the church will find among God's people that life is as it was meant to be lived. If you're going to see how life is meant to be lived anywhere in the world, you will find how it's meant to be lived in the way that people relate to each other in the church. Not always perfectly, but this is the place. If you want to experience how pleasant life can be when people are singing from the same song sheet, when they're uh, celebrating the same God, worshiping the same God, enjoying the same gospel, living according to it, this is the place, how pleasant that is. Forgiving, uh, dwelling alongside, enjoying one another, dwelling together with brothers and sisters in Christ in unity and love and peace. So that's what this psalm is about, and I pray that that's what our church is like too, not just isolated individuals that come together to do their own thing and to have their own spiritual experience and leave never having any relationship with each other. No, we come together, united, serving the same God, enjoying his blessing, which he pours out on us abundantly through Jesus. That's all I wanted to say to you this morning from this. Allow me to pray, and then we will try to sing this psalm together, not in the way that we have in previous weeks. Uh, we've, we've got a, a snappier tune. So uh, look forward to that. The band will come up and, and lead us in that. But allow me to, to pray. Father God, thank you that you give us abundant blessing. The dew of the highest mountains, the oil that runs down even to the robes of the high priest, you give us blessing upon blessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You unite us as one people, whatever, uh, wherever we're from, bring us together. Lord, I pray that we would experience life as it was meant to be, life as we want it to be, as we come together here week by week, that it would be good and pleasant in our own experience. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.